Praise God. We want to welcome you once again to our online service for today. I trust that the Lord will bless you as we share together. This is a good time for you to be able to call a friend and let them know that the service is on and it is their opportunity as well to be blessed. Uh, we have taken this time to uh, recess somewhat from our uh, physical services on Sundays uh, for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, this is like, uh, partly to make sure that we watch and, and monitor uh, very well part of what's happening. There's been a spike in the coronavirus uh, infection cases, and we believe that by um, uh, this kind of action, we're taking time to uh, be a lot safer and allow for families to resource and be at home, and we will stay in touch. For those of you who are within the Lusaka area and are part of, uh, are normally part of our uh, Sunday services in terms of uh, being physically there. For the rest of you, it's your joy to be continuing to join us as we sustain these online services so that you can be blessed too. So sit back and relax as we enjoy uh, a piece of music to lift up every heart. And I'll be back to read the word and pray. Oh 
Praise God. I know you've been blessed. And so let me invite you now to the Word of God in Exodus chapter 34 as we read again um, a portion that we read last week. Exodus 34 and reading verses 6 and 7. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. That is our emphasis. And faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. The Lord had blessing to the reading of his word. Our message um, for today, which is a continuing um, message from last week, is entitled, Taking Your Devotion to the Next Level. This, therefore, is part number two. I ask you to join me in prayer right now as we turn to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather together. We now turn to your word and ask that you will bless us, help us to understand the things that you've ordained for today. And in the midst of all that the nation um, and, and the nations out there may be facing, we know that you are still in total control and you will help us to focus on what matters. And you, oh God, are the most important uh, thing in our lives. And so we ask that you will guide us now and let your word minister in such a way that every need represented by those who hear you will be met. We seek these mercies through Jesus our Lord and our Savior with thanksgiving. Amen. Praise God. So taking your devotion to the next level. This is part number two. Um, last week as we began with part number one, we defined devotion in generic terms as um, referring to love loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person or activity. Um, we say that every child of God at some point begins to yearn to deepen their devotion to God. And, and that's normal. And this could be uh, something that somebody may express in the form of a growing desire for a more significant experience with God. Or it may be something that comes as, as a, res, a result of uh, an encounter with God or even just a desire for a very, very fresh encounter with the Lord as we are in his presence. Um, this is on the backdrop of the fact that many times we tend to uh, go through life facing many circumstances and it appears that those circumstances are the things that we either depend upon to uh, sharpen what we may want to consider as our commitment or devotion to God. But, uh, but if we don't take that deliberate um, step or thought or action, what happens is that those circumstances may actually dull our commitment to the Lord. And when that is dulled, people step back and you know, they, they don't really give themselves as they ought to. And I have cautioned in this respect that being who we are as humans, we tend to eventually recess. And we recess uh, to a level where we become so familiar with God and godly things. And so that actually begins to impact everything else around us. So we become too familiar with those around us, loved ones, uh, it may be a spouse, we begin to take them for granted. It may be loved ones who are just siblings or, or family members of, of, some, uh, of, of some nature, and we take them for granted. It may be our employment, and we may just take it that we're qualified enough, so we take everything for granted. We have a job anyway. We might lose this one and pick up another one because we, we're marketable anyway. And now when, when that begins to happen, I have cautioned that essentially means that you're taking life for granted and um, you will reach a plateau and a level of laxity that in many ways, as you're relating with God as well, uh, tends to dull everything else. And, and, and when that level of, 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 of approach is taken, 
it amounts to compromise. And uh, that kind of recessive nature can only be jolted back to a place of, of activity when maybe there's a crisis. And I've, I've said, you do not need to wait for a crisis. Uh, you don't need to go that far. It is unnecessary. What we must do is maintain this desire, this yearning for more of God. And, and that is what will benefit everything else around us. And so uh, this led us into examining uh, a people who, much like us, went through something similar at some stage of their lives. And that is the children of Israel uh, at the time that we encounter them in uh, Exodus 31 and 32, as well as this, chapter 33 and 34. Specifically in chapter 32, Moses had delayed at uh, the mountain where he had gone to meet with the Lord and they felt it was chance for them to go to something else. And uh, in that particular sense, they um, called upon Aaron who helped facilitate the building of um, uh, the, the, the manufacturing, if you will, of an idol from their gold, their, from the earrings uh, that they had and other gold uh, ornaments. They put them together and, and managed to make this, uh, uh, this idol. And they actually worshipped it and said this is the God that had brought them out of Egypt, and it's very, very sad to notice. But that's the familiarity we're talking about because you hear from um, Exodus 32 in their expression, as for this fellow Moses, they're now wondering about Moses and the delay and saying for this fellow Moses, we don't know what has happened to him. So Aaron, just make for us a God. And there was a crisis there as Moses returned from the mountain, chapter 33, chapter 34, he knew exactly how serious this level of compromise was. They had committed sin, and we witness Moses going back to God and crying out and yearning and desiring that there would be uh, some level of mercy for the people because God was going to have to act in judgment. And so we established that in response, God revealed himself to Moses in one of the most powerful ways one would ever desire. And that's the encounter that we find in chapter 33 and chapter 34, where God reveals himself as Rav Chesed. The word Chesed being one of two words in the Old Testament that are used to express um, the emotion of, of love. And, the, and this, in this particular case, the other word is Ahab. And we showed that these, the two concepts of God's love in the Old Testament, Ahab and Chesed, are con, uh, have to be contrasted so that we can understand the depth of what we're dealing with here. We did say Ahab describes a strong affection of another based on relationship. It's still a strong uh, expression, a relationship of friendship, family ties, and in some cases, uh, even a romance. And the bottom line is that when it is used to refer to God's love, uh, it shows that God delights in us as his people. He's inclined to uh, turn, to love his people, show concern. And, and, and in one case, there's a description of God more or less breathing after his people uh, with an affectionate love. And Ahab is, is, that, is that strong. However, um, that intensity is somehow limited uh, because there are only a few times that he's actually used to describe the Lord's love for his people. By comparison, another term, another concept, which is chesed. We already said chesed is a richer and more intense word describing God's love as that which is deeply rooted in his character. And we'll talk a little more about this today, deeply rooted in his character. So it involves uh, that sense of loyalty. And we'll talk a little more about that loyalty, steadfastness. That really is uh, part of our focus. Uh, covenant commitment, kindness, tenderness, a specific love that accepts moral obligation for the welfare of a person loved. And we did emphasize then that this love is so deep that it does not depend on one's response. And we'll talk a little more about this as I promised. And the contrast is that Ahab may have to do 
with um, uh, specific feelings, yes, that they may express love, but feelings of tenderness as well, and, but limits itself up to a certain point. Chesed implies that settled, it's a, it's a mindset, it's a, it's, it's a settled matter in the sense that God now uh, is saying this is the mode in which he operates. This is, his, if you will, for lack of a better term, modus operandus. This is how God operates, the mode of interaction with his people, with his creation, and particularly the, the human uh, beings, is that he has rooted this thing in his character. This is who he is. This is God, love, and loving his people. And uh, that is rooted in the deep values of um, what he has considered as precious to him. We close by making reference to a hymn which is uh, very, very powerful. When I survey the wondrous cross, which the Prince of Glory died and did indicate the fact that Isaac Watts in this song was exploring the depths of this love and understood that Jesus had made a major sacrifice uh, by coming, responding to God's love and then taking your place and mine. So today, as we move on to part two in this message of taking your devotion to the next level, we seek to unveil a little more graphically what Moses' encounter with God conveyed to his people and what that means for us as God's children today. I want to help us understand that if we um, explore sufficiently this encounter of Moses with God, we will have an exhaustive rendering of why a God so big, so infinite, would take time to promise humanity, and in this case, in the person of Moses, and say, I'll come by where you are. He doesn't have to. But he says, I'll come by where you are. I will pass by. I will visit you. When divinity, in the nature of who God is, can, without being beckoned, in this case, yes, Moses was calling for God, but without being beckoned, come freely and say, I'll pass by you. This is a major statement. And I want to unveil what that implies for God's people. When God, who yes, invites us to call on him when we are in trouble and that he will come. But when he can choose, even before we call upon him to move towards us, to pass by, that is a huge undertaking. It's a sovereign act of God, so high, so big. And I consider it an exhaustive thing that requires us to stand, look back, and begin to appropriate that kind of action. So our quest today is similar, if I may put it this way, to the quest of the Apostle Paul. And I'm suggesting that we don't wait to try and get another way of trying to find out why would God do such a thing. But from within ourselves, we must develop this quest, this earnest desire to take our devotion to the next level. And here is how Paul expressed a similar quest. And I'm asking us to make it our own. In Ephesians 4, verse 14 to 19, the apostle Paul said, for this reason, he said to the Ephesians, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that, I'll, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts 
through faith. And the Apostle Paul says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. This is the quest, beloved. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. That's the quest I'm calling us to today. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you fathom that? Can you think what that would be like if you and I can even take two steps or three or four towards this high ideal? Taking your devotion to the next level. So there are three things I would like to call attention to that I believe enable us to unveil a bit more exhaustively the undertaking of God our Father, God our Savior that was directed towards Moses and that means towards all of us. What we see here, number one, in Exodus 34, as we attempted to mention already last week, is that God's love is unconditional. We already introduced this last week. But today is our chance to unveil it further. God's love is unconditional. And I'll pick up the second and the third as we progress. But number one, God's love is unconditional. We already said last week, by describing God's love as unconditional, we are saying that while he may require us to do certain things and those have their place, while he, while he may require us to take certain actions, all those actions have their place. God takes an undertaking and decides to move towards Moses. And he says, I will come by you. I will pass by where you are. And I will reveal myself to you. And I will proclaim, I. Now, beloved, it should be Moses upon seeing God that should be proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. The compassionate, the gracious God, that should be you and I, that should be Moses. But God Almighty, the unlimited, omnipotent God, this God who is sovereign, who is the first cause, himself uncaused, the creator of heaven and earth, the owner of everything, the first and the last, as we understand. He who says in Genesis 1 that he was in the beginning. He was there before all things, before all time. He who fills every single bit of space in life. makes this move towards Moses and towards us. And he decides to proclaim, he himself, to proclaim the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. A God who had just witnessed rebellion, one of the worst rebellions from his own people, now comes proclaiming this. This is the fullest level of expression 
of an unconditional love. Where God is saying, look, how I respond to you, how I love you, does not depend on whether you are desirable. It does not depend on whether you, were, you are lovable. It does not depend on whether you are even responsive. He says, this is who I am. I'm laying before you something that you must now consider and think about. And you decide how you must respond. Let me just take us to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And read for us from verse number four. Seven is my focus. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly destroy, they will quickly and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. This is, the, this is what God had said about the nations out there. This is what his people were to do. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles. And burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. This is who they were. But imagine now this treasured possession in Exodus 32. When they were to have taken down and broken down the altars and the idols, they had actually erected an altar and an idol which they now had just been worshipping. This is where God, this God who has unconditional love, finds them. And he decides, in spite of all that, he says to Moses, let me pass by you. In verse number seven, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But, verse number eight, it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he saw to your fathers that he brought you out of the mighty hand, out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you from the land of slavery from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse number nine, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. This is unconditional love. Making it clear. The reason he was coming to Moses and to the people was not because Moses was desirable. And the reason he comes to us was not, be, is not because we are desirable. Not because we are cute. Not because we've worked hard enough. Not because we've fasted enough. Not because we've prayed enough. All those things have their place, beloved. I have said that. But to understand unconditional love, we must understand how a God who is so infinite, so great, so big, so self-existent, he does not need you, he does not need me to exist. But he chooses to come so that we can experience his love. What must you do? What must I do? What must we do? with such love. Unconditional means exactly that. Unconditional. This may be the place for us to contrast this with human love. You see, in human relationships, when one partner begins to exhibit 
some unlovable, irritating traits or behaviors. The other person begins to resent, feel bad. Sometimes they go, you even, you know, have sanctions against each other and you don't talk to one another for a while because you're not happy with what your spouse has done. And some people even go to the extent where they give each other conditions and some even throw each other out of the home and you hear of divorces, you hear of separations or divorces and things like that, even in areas where there could have been some level of reconciliation. And our courts, all our courts, may our courts here, because the courts, to some extent, sometimes make it even easier for these relationships to be broken. Because they, they are, there's this description of people having what they call irreconcilable differences. Really? Well, maybe. But we make it too easy for us to part from one another. We make it too easy for us to have conditions on how we must respond to one another. This is us as human beings. And can you imagine if God had to lay those kinds of conditions upon us? We've made this thing too cheap, beloved, too cheap. We've made it too light. And we are really unjust with one another on how we judge each other when there's some kind of failure. Imagine what we would be or where we would be if God had to do it this way. In fact, a few weeks ago, remember, we quoted, as we're talking about repentance and forgiveness, we went to Psalm 130 and um, verse three and four, where the Bible says, if you, O God, would mark iniquity, O Lord, who would stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Generally, as human beings, we give up on each other too quickly. We set conditions for one another, for going forward. Only if this marriage is to go forward, A, B, C must happen. And we do that. I'm not saying that we must not call each other to responsibility, but I'm saying, beloved, you and I are aware that we make this thing so light and we make this thing so light because we don't understand the depth of unconditional love. And if we learn the depth of unconditional love from God, we will treat one another better. We would have less divorces today. We would have less breakages of marriages. We would have less, less, less hatred that comes as a result of soured relationships. All across the world, the word love means different things to different people. Let's revisit a dictionary meaning of love. Here's a di dictionary def definition of love. It's one of those I picked up so we can think together. It says in one dictionary, love is a feeling of warm personal attachment or strong affection. Okay? Sounds quite fine, but certainly it still falls short of what we understand as God's unconditional love. It's very clear from Deuteronomy 7. God reminds his people and says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God, in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 7. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people his treasured possession. Now the Lord, verse 7, did not set his affection on you or choose you because you were numerous, more numerous than other peoples. And it goes on and on. In other words, it's not by what we have done. And so Titus is a good reminder. The, letter, the writings of Paul to Titus and also the writings of Paul, the writing of Paul to the Ephesians, reminding them in Ephesians 2 8 that it is, not, it is by grace that we are saved and that it is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. 
not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. Very important indeed. So this expression that I just read from the dictionary, where love is defined as a feeling of warm personal attachment or strong affection, is sort of okay. It comes close to ab, which we know is the concept, conceptually describes love in the Old Testament. But then, if when you consider ab, it's still a little stronger in the sense that it, it talks about that desire, the breathing after, to be inclined after. So indeed, the Lord has a warm personal feeling towards us, but it's much more than that. He has that attachment to his people, but it's much more than that. It's stronger than that. His love is not just this warm feeling towards us. This is who he is. This is his character. This is who he is. And we'll talk about that in the next point. It's essential that you and I understand that when within our relationships, we sort of run out, we fall short. It's like love runs out, runs dry. It is time to rewarm and rehash those, um, those to rewarm and, and reignite. That's the word I'm looking for, reignite those embers. There's embers of love. You know, beloved, there's a pastor. I look around at our society. And I look at how we hurt one another. During our many years of ministry, we sometimes have had to intervene many, many times, numerous times, in cases where maybe a marriage relationship was breaking up. People were just tired of each other. And when you sit sometimes to hear what the issues are, Sometimes that there are issues which are very grave, but there are also times when you actually observe that there are some very simple, solvable matters where people can actually forgive one another and resolve. But you see, as human beings, we, we are so ruthless with one another. Sometimes there's no thought. What happens to the children and the impact of those fights between a husband and wife on children? And how that negativity of a relationship would impact not just two or three children, but literally generations, because that thing passes on to how that son and that daughter will deal with their spouse and how that other son and daughter will deal with their spouse in the future. You are impacting generations. We ought to be able to sit back and relax and understand the fact that there is no issue that we cannot resolve. And I call upon husbands and wives today. And I'm sensing that this is really part of what God is dealing with out there. There's some of you, a husband and wife, you've given up on each other. I'm calling you today. If God has loved you unconditionally, you can step back, lose some ground somewhere and realize that you can love your wife again. You can love your husband again. The family can come back again. Maybe you're listening to me and you've been separated for years from your spouse. I'm calling you to reconsider your stand so you can come back together. I've testified before of one of the most outstanding cases that my wife and I handled over so many years of ministry because this is the case where we're dealing with a couple. And I've shared before that we had their permission many years ago to be able to testify because of how beautifully God had done this. They'd been separated for seven solid years. And there was a point at which we were in the home of this gentleman trying to talk about how they could come together. And he saw the possibility, but he kept putting, pulling back, kept pulling back, kept pulling back. And it was Pastor Gladys, my wife, whom God gave the insight in that moment 
And she said to him, because this is the gentleman who had done so well in so many areas and was achieving much. And she said to him, look, you've been telling us stories of how you've been so persistent and you've gone after certain things in your business ideals and you've been able to achieve. You've never give up and you've kept going until you achieve what you want to achieve. And she said to him, here it is now, your family is in danger. Can you not utilize the same level of determination to win back your family? And you know, beloved, in that moment, God did something. And this gentleman was like awakening from sleep, from a slumber. And all of a sudden, there was this new desire, this, this new zeal. And he began to say, ah, now suppose I go and she doesn't respond as she should and so on. And I, I then offered and said, I will go with you. Cut a long story short, because you've heard, some of you have heard this before. It was in a town somewhere within Zambia. And we offered that we would travel together. And I went with him. And that evening, the evening, when he was to go back now to her home and say that he wanted to see if they could talk again and the family could come back together. I drove with him up to the house. Just uh, about 50 meters away, he parked and said, okay, Bishop, be praying for me now. And I said, yes, I'm praying. And I watched him get out of the car and walk to the door. And I saw him knock and the door opened. And I saw that lady come out, talked a little bit, but it seemed like it wasn't going to work for a while because she went back in, closed the door. He knocked again and she came out. In the meantime, I was in the car and I was praying. I watched that. And after a while, I saw that they went on talking for a while until she opened the door further. And I saw him walk in. I knew that God was doing something. To cut a long story further short, after a while, he came out of there, came back to the, door, to the car and said, Bishop, it's done. It has worked. And within no time, we made arrangements. We had them in our home. We prayed over them. And the family came back together after seven years. And God has a sense of humor. Because shortly after they came back together, within that year, God gave them. The lady became pregnant and God gave them a son. This was 2003. I think that was the year. I know that because that boy that God blessed them with is the same age as our, our daughter today because they just had barely a month in between for their birthdays. And God has constantly reminded us of how wonderful he is. And I'm sensing today, and I won't go further to the next point. We'll cover that in the next week. I'm sensing today that God is wanting to restore families. Too many conditions you've laid for each other. Husband saying this, wife saying that. Husband saying this, wife saying the other. Too many conditions. It's time to lay those conditions aside. If God was to lay those conditions for you, you would be nowhere, my friend. Nowhere, my friend. You would be nowhere. God wants to restore families today. God wants to restore broken relationships today. God wants to bring them back together. His unconditional love is a statement that you and I cannot afford to lay conditions for each other in a fashion that is unbiblical. 
best we can do is give of ourselves and forgive one another. And as you forgive, God will forgive you. And so I will not move on to the next point. I want to begin to wrap it up right here and spend some time drawing you to that place. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and use that for, for, for a wrap-up so we can spend a few moments calling you to a place of action. In Ephesians 4, Here's what the Word of God says. Picking it up from verse number 17, which is a word really for all of us who are born again. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. It is ungodly. It's a general approach to lay the kind of hard conditions over each other, against each other, to an extent where you say that you will only forgive if. That is contrary to the principles of love. You must take the step and be ready to forgive. And that will unlock the door for someone else to forgive you. And so the Bible says in verse 25 of Ephesians 4, carrying on the godly walk. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. What I'm sensing today as, of, as we're wrapping this up is that some of the relationships that God is targeting to restore are that broken because there's been anger. You're angry at your spouse, angry at her family side, angry at those who you think are responsible for her behavior, angry at um, your yesterday and your yesteryears. This is not the place for that today, beloved. Release yourself from that anger. Come to a place of understanding that God loves you and that you can forgive. Do not give a foothold to the devil. He goes on to say, if you've been stealing, do not steal. Verse 29, do not let, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So here's a chance for you, not only to forgive, but to say something wholesome that will build. And God is ready to bring restoration. He who left the portals of glory and walked the dusty roads of Jericho and Jerusalem and hang on that cross just for you and loved you even while you were yet a sinner and loved you while you were yet a sinner and loved you while you were yet a sinner. Today is calling on you to let the guns down, bury the hatchet and forgive because he's also ready to forgive you and forgive both of you and bring a restoration to your life. This is one way you will take your devotion to the next level. I would like to take time right now to pray for you. Kindly bow your head and close your eyes. Eternal God, reach out today for to those who I have sensed as we're ministering here, dear Lord, have, have gone deep into anger and harboring a spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness and within the context of 
relationships, a marriage relationship or some other family relationship. Lord, I thank you that you brought your word and you've brought your people to a place of understanding that today they can act. Today they can let go. Today they can let the guns down. They can bury the hatchet. And as you have granted mercy to them, they can receive mercy and give mercy. So I ask, dear Lord, that you will bring restoration. I call those marriages back to a place of fullness and restoration. I pray, dear Lord, that there will be something unusual that comes from on high that works into that relationship. Breaking through rejection, bitterness, and the past of, um, of pain and anger, cutting through all that dross and enabling them to understand that you, oh God, came down from on high in order to reach out to us. Not because we're lovable, not because we're desirable, but simply because this is who you are. May they experience that love, their unconditional love, that chesed, abounding love, everlasting love, that will be their portion today in that home, and in that home, in that relationship, as we call order and restoration, to be their portion right now. In Jesus' holy name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Beloved, I know there are many of you that God has reached out to. I would like you, if you need further help, to be able, if you are in a church somewhere, reach out to your pastor, reach out to elders and deacons who can reach out to you and help you through counseling to make sure that what God has just done can be further consolidated and firmed up. But if you do need further help, you're free to reach us and uh, contact us using any of our social media uh, channels and uh, you will receive the help that you need. Before we finalize this session right now, I'd like you to sit back and relax. Enjoy this ministry in music and I'll come back and give an opportunity to anybody that is needing to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior before we close. Restoration, healing, pour your love on. 
restoration, healing over. Thank you very much. I know you've been blessed. But just before we close, I'd like to help anyone who has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And if you would like to do that right now, um, I'd like you to take time to consider the fact that you can take that step uh, by following after the, the prayer that I will now make. That prayer is simply a prayer to help you connect back to God. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please say this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord, I come to you today as a sinner. I realize that I've gone away from your commandments. Today, I've heard your voice speaking to me and calling me back to you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry that I have lived this way, displeasing you, and working against your will. Dear Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I open the door of my heart. I invite you to come into my heart. Be my savior and my Lord. So that from today onwards, I will live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me from my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and helping me to become your child. Help me now to live for you and to follow after you and help others to come to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. My dear friend, if you prayed that prayer and you have meant it in your heart, then once again, I would like you, like we told others earlier, to be able to visit any of our uh, social media platforms as you see uh, the directions and the guidance uh, uh, scrolling and um, you will get somebody who will be ready to help you. And I know that the Lord will never let you down. So just now, as we close, I'd like you to join me as we do the benediction together and we'll be trusting that next Sunday, this time, at this very hour, you will have a chance to join us again as we bring God's word. So beloved, the Lord bless you, keep you, cover you and protect you. And so the redeemed of the Lord shall agree together by saying, surely goodness and mercy and wholeness, identity and destiny shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will feast at the table spread for me as I fix my eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, the author and finisher of our faith and our great high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom, beloved. Next time, at this hour, may God bless you.